What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. It's been a little while, I understand, guys, but we're back. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. Uh, we got a lot to get to on this show. It's going to be a shorter show, though, so we're going to try to keep this condensed and try to get to as much as we can. But, of course, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. We just had a big game just this evening that we recorded on this um, Thursday night, so we'll talk about the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll talk about uh, the Western Conference Finals and plenty of football stuff. And, of course, uh, the collapse of the Los Angeles Clippers will be at the top of this show. Um, Kendall is my co-host, as always. And, Kendall, I know a little bit of a rough night for you guys. You're a Celtic fan, obviously. You guys down 0-2. Heartbreaking loss. We'll get to it a little bit later. But, first of all, how you feeling, man? I'm doing good. Uh, been, like you said, it's been a while. Um, but... A lot of uh, a lot of good stuff. I'm excited to talk about uh, college football in the NFL. Um, the Big Ten is back. Um, I know uh, you know it's been a very polarizing topic. Some people very excited, some people very concerned. Um, I for one am more in the excited uh, side of the country, but um, it is what it is. You know, it is it is very uh, it is going to be a very interesting thing to follow, but. Um, you know, I think definitely happy for the players involved. Definitely happy for, um, you know, all the people working uh, in the sport, you know. And hopefully hopefully things uh, go well with that. But, you know, definitely excited. But we'll talk more about college football later. But this is, uh, you know, definitely glad that the season is beginning to come together. And so far, especially with the NFL, there's been no real hiccups. Uh, in college, there's been a couple, but nothing too uh, too tough to handle right now. It's going to be a you know a developing situation, obviously, with college football and the NFL. We'll we'll get into all that stuff a little bit later. But let's let's start off with the turmoil in Los Angeles. So uh, obviously, the Lakers and and and, um, and Nuggets are set to start their Western Conference Finals this weekend. But um, we'd be remiss not to talk about what happened with the LA Clippers, who were supposed to be meeting the Lakers in that battle for L.A. date that we all expected pretty much when the offseason dust settled. We knew that Kawhi and Paul George would be teaming up in, with the Clippers and LeBron and A.D. would be with the Lakers. The Clippers were unable to make that date because they somehow found a way to blow a 3-1 lead against the Denver Nuggets. Not only did they blow a 3-1 lead, but in all three of their losses in a row in games 5, 6, and 7, they were up by double digits. They were up by double digits in, in the second half in game five and six. So this, Kendall, I put it on Twitter, Kendall, this to me is a, an ultimate collapse. I, I don't know if there's really any other way um, to describe I know, it. People are the, the biggest choke job in NBA history. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's bad, man. I mean, I, I don't – for me, the reason why I hesitate on is this the worst collapse, worst choke job. The reason why I hesitate is because, you know, Mike Malone said it last night or uh, – yeah, it was last night, and I, I agree with him to a certain degree that, like, we got to stop treating the Nuggets like they're, like, some eighth seed, some right. team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Like, the Nuggets are an extremely talented team. They've been one of the best teams in the West for years now, two years in a row. Last year they had a home – it's game seven – on their home court to go to the Western Conference Finals, and they didn't play well, and and they got beat um, by uh, you know Blazers team and getting swept. But you know the Nuggets have been you know the standard bearers of that Northwest Division, um, and and they are a very good team. So yeah, I, I, I so I don't know if I want to go all the way with the worst choke job, worst collapse, but it's it is bad, and it, to me there is no question, no way other to describe it than it is a collapse, 
or a choke drop, whatever you want to call it. I just say collapse. I don't like choking. Um, <laughs> uh, just, you know, it, try to be sensitive as I can to some of this stuff. Uh, but but to me, <laughs> collapse is 100% the only way to describe what happened. When you're a team with the L.A. Clippers, with all those expectations, um, they're a team that I thought would get to the NBA Finals if they got to see the Lakers. Um, I felt like they had to get there, and I was worried about it. Um, but to me, I thought if they saw the Lakers in the seven-game series, they would beat them. And I said it all year. To not get to that point with all the talking they did and all the, all the you know, you know Patrick Beverly pulling up on LeBron in, in Las Vegas, you know, saying, you know, it's over for you guys and, you know, telling Steph Curry, you know, it's our time now. Like, these guys, it would be different. And I know some people were saying, oh, man, people were really piling on this team yesterday. But I think part of the reason why they took so much slander last night, Kano, was because of just how brash and how just, like, they, they're not a very rootable team. Like, they're not a very likable team. And nothing about them really is likable, maybe except Kawhi. Even him, he's just very, like, you know, bland as we all know. Right. So so I think they, they caught they caught it on the chin last night in terms of the slander because I think people saw how much these guys were talking all year and how much the fans were talking all year. And not just the fans, and let's keep it a buck, a lot of the LeBron haters. Let's just keep it like it, call it like it is. I mean, people who, for whatever reason, don't like LeBron or, or even if you're not a hater, but someone who was saying, look, I think that this team is a team that's going to make sure LeBron doesn't get to the finals. Those detractors as well had been talking a lot about this team. So I think that because of all that talking, all the, the conversation around them, they, they, they got a lot of that heat. And it's, boy, you want to talk about, to me, going out like Trumps, and I'm going to say that, and I'm going to say that lightly. The Clippers went out like Trumps when they, they started talking after the game. Because, okay, you collapse and you have that terrible performance in Game 7 after blowing huge leads in the, in the second half of the last two games. But then you go into the press conference. I hear Doc Rivers talking about we don't have chemistry. I hear uh, you know Lou Williams saying we don't have chemistry, even though early in the season he did a conversation with I think it was uh, Malika Andrews or or maybe no, it might have been a uh, Ross. Uh, forgive me, I do not know how to pronounce her last name. Golden Wood. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, apologies <laughs> to her. I know she's a brilliant reporter, but. Um, I think it was with her, and he's like, oh, people talk about we don't got chemistry, and we laugh because we know that at the end of the day we're going to be there when the playoffs start. And then he's in the postcards talking about we don't got the chemistry to win a championship. And then you got Paul George saying, this wasn't a championship with us anyway. So, you know, it just was an all-around terrible, terrible night for the Clippers. But last thing I'll say on this, Kendall, how surprised should we really be? When this is the Clippers we're talking about. It's like everything that happened <laughs> should have been predictable given the franchise. I understand, you know, Doc Rivers and, and track record he has, though his track record now includes three times you've lost series when you're up 3-1. Um, but, you know, with his track record, um, obviously Kawhi with his track record as a champion, I think that we kind of maybe glossed over, you know, what this organization has always been, which has kind of been a joke. And... They became the butt of everybody's jokes this this week, and they deserved it. It was it was a, a pathetic performance they had in Game Seven, and and shout out to the Denver Nuggets for 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 stepping up, man. I mean, talk about a team with some heart. Um, you know, they deserve a lot of credit as well because because three one everybody just wrote them off. 
Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting um, to see where this Clipper team goes. I mean, I think that the uh, the collapse, uh, choke job, whatever you want to call it, was not as bad as people were making it out to be. Um, only because the bubble is not like had this happened in a normal in a normal sense that they were up three one and then they lost two home games to the Denver Nuggets, including a game seven at home. Uh, in the way that they lost in the bubble, I would I would feel worse obviously about this than I do now. Um, it's still not great, um, but it's tough. Can to take away the home court advantage? How about blowing a big double game. digit leads though? I know it's in I know three it's, games. Right, I I know. I mean, home court advantage for the Clippers. Like, what does that even mean? But right, exactly. But um, but no, yeah. I mean, look the the in game. Uh, collapses were certainly um, bizarre and unfortunate, but I think it goes to the way this team was built. It was not. We looked at it, and we looked at the the how the roster makes sense from a talent perspective, and thought that they'd be able to 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 win in June or now win in wherever we are, whatever month we're in now, October, September. <laughs> I lose track of the days, but. Um, but it's we thought that this would be a team in the NBA playoffs that would, from a talent perspective, compete with anyone in the league, and they're in their their issue right now is that when you're talking about the current way this the current this roster is currently constructed, um, you've got a star player in Kawhi who obviously is the personality that he is, somebody that if we keep it real is not obviously the most vocal or engaging personality. Um, charismatic personality, not somebody I would consider a uh, a, a a typical le- leader um, of what we typically describe it as. Um, not to say that he doesn't lead by example in many ways, but um, doesn't play, doesn't doesn't uh, exude a lot of energy. And then you got Paul George, who also doesn't exude a lot of energy. Um, and there's another guy that kind of you know flows by the beat of his own drum a little bit. Um, so they're relying on Patrick Beverly and Montrezl Harrell to give them their energy. Lou Williams is another guy that's kind of, you know, nonchalant laid back. Um, I think the that's probably the three best players. I mean, you could throw Harrell in there as well, but three of the four best players in that team have a very nonchalant laid back attitude. Um, and I think for Kawhi and Paul George, it was more this season than it had ever been for those guys. I think Kawhi, not to say Kawhi you know, wasn't playing hard this season, but I think, you know, coming off two, you now have two, you now have two championships. You're back home. You feel like you've got probably the best team you've ever played on or one of the best teams you've ever played on. And, and you, again, you just won a championship. I don't think he played necessarily with the same. I don't even, I don't even want to say that he's not, he didn't play the same intensity or whatever. I don't know. I think he was, he may have been a little fatigued or maybe he wasn't ready to play the, the back to backs or the every other night. Because he's a guy that's used to taking two or three nights off um, before playing games, um, but for whatever reason, he didn't have the same energy that we that we normally see from Kawhi. Paul George is a guy defensively that's always been a wrecking ball and as a elite shot maker, couldn't make shots. Um, mm. And that's that's I don't know what the deal is with Paul George. Obviously, he spoke um, a lot about you know he was struggling with his mental health during yeah. the bubble and you know whether or not that was an issue in the playoffs um, or in the, the Western Conference semis, I, I can't really speak on, but um, but he struggled. 
and that's that's there's no no issue with that. But if you're trying to win a championship, um, you need your two you need one of your two best players typically, um, unless you're in a big three. You need one of your two best players to 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 have a certain personality that's going to galvanize the rest of the group. This team didn't have that. Um, no, that's why team, I don't. You know this team needs Kendall. This team needs like when you know. Obviously, you guys may or may not know. Like my second favorite franchise in the NBA is the Dallas Mavericks, and you know it stems from the Dirk Whiskey era. I really don't. I don't mess with Porzingis on any level. But you know, obviously, Luca's the man. But I don't rock with them the way I used to. But this team needs like a Jason Terry and a Jason Kidd. Like when that Dallas team and a Tyson Chandler. Like Dallas had Dirk. Unbelievable talent, great star player. You know, he was a leader, but just he wasn't the kind of vocal rah rah, like you know, you know, win one for the Gipper kind of leader. And no, yeah. his personality, I think, sometimes didn't always inspire anyone else to play hard or tough. Um, it's not that Dirk wasn't playing hard or tough, but I just think he just doesn't bring that out of anyone else. Um, but Dirk, like, Dallas did a good job building that team because they put certain personalities around him that, you know, Jet eventually developed into a great leader. You obviously have Jason Kidd. He's like a head coach on the, on the court. And then Tyson Chandler um, as kind of like your, your, your uh, you're just like kind of like rah-rah, just like, you know, yeah, energy guy. Like, the Clippers, they, they had some roster structural issues, too. I'm not going to just say that they had no, nothing wrong with their roster because they needed, a, a, like, a floor general, and they didn't have that. I thought they can get over that, but they, they could not in the series because, like, against a t- Denver team that's really not a good defensive team, it, it was ridiculous how hard it was for them to get good shots for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in those three games, second halves particularly. Um, but, like, they also, like, I think chemistry-wise, not chemistry in terms of, like, them playing together. I think that's bogus. I, I'm sorry. I think that's one of the most bogus excuses. You guys have been together for a year. Um, I don't want to hear about chemistry when you're up 3-1. You are you're you were winning. You, you didn't have bad chemistry when you went up 20 points in game three or whatever, yeah, 19 points. Well, yeah, you, yeah. I wasn't, you, you had no chemistry problems then. Now you have chemistry when you lose? Like, come on. Like, that's ridiculous. But what I will say is I think the emotional and spiritual chemistry of the team didn't necessarily make sense because – you know, Beverly is, like, kind of crazy, <laughs> no, the lack of a better term, and in a good way. But, like, he's not a leader. Like, he's, like, a guy – he's, like, Vernon Maxwell, you know? Like, Vernon Maxwell is good to have in your foxhole, but he's not your leader, you know? He's just a guy yeah. in your foxhole. Um, you, you talked about Kawhi and Paul George. Um, you know, Lou Williams is kind of like a free spirit. Um, Marcus Morris is a hothead um, who will lose his cool – in most in very important situations, the, the, just the spirit of the team just was a little weird, um, and that's why when, it, when we talk about that Lakers Clippers match, the reason why I always did pause, even though I did pick the Clippers, was I did, I do feel like the Lakers quote unquote Zen is like way better. I just like their personalities seem to match and make way more sense. They seem to enjoy each other way more, and um, and it shows because when they face adversity the first two rounds, um, they fixed it real quick. Clippers finally face any kind of adversity. Oh, they face some adversity in round one, but um, I mean, this was this was real adversity in second round. They they just wilted. They couldn't handle it. What what, yeah. what happens next? Yeah, that's that's the, that's the thing. That, um, everything that we've said 
um, is why this team's got to move. They got to break this thing up. I know it seems extreme. Um, the trade they made in the offseason is what makes that a a necessity at this point. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily. I don't know what the move is. If I don't know if it's a move to trade PG or if it's a move to trade Kawhi. Even that's something that hasn't been broached really by anybody. But um, to start with the PG thing, first of all, the reason why they've got to make a move is look. We talked about it. This team right now isn't good enough to win a championship. Um, I mean, maybe let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You don't think that, despite what happened this year, you don't think that if presently constituted, they could win a championship even next year. It's it's not impossible. There are plenty of teams that could win a championship. Um, I think that there were eight or nine teams this year that could win a championship, and right now we're in a final four. You know, like sometimes that happens. Um, the Clippers are one of the six or seven teams that could have won. The Bucks could have won a championship. But does that mean that the Bucks shouldn't do anything or that they shouldn't <laughs> make any moves? Um, drastic, probably drastic to, to make thing to make a move to try and keep Giannis. Of course, they've got to make a drastic move because they stand pat and just hope that things uh, will get better next year. It's that's, you know, the definition of insanity. So that's why the Clippers, they can they can do what they can do what the Milwaukee Bucks did a year ago and say, yeah, we'll just run it back. We'll be fine. But, and they will lose Montrez Harrell, but whatever. We still got Kawhi and PG. But, like, this team, expressly constituted, has, like you said, structural issues. But, again, also just the um, the issues from a personality standpoint that don't lend itself to to me feeling confident that they'll win a championship when Dallas could be getting better. Um, Denver is only going to get better. The Lakers, I mean, LeBron's going to be a year older, but... Um, Anthony Davis isn't gonna isn't going anywhere. You would seem see you would seem to think so. I don't feel uh, I don't feel great about this Clipper team. Um, it's already on the older side with a lot of their with a lot of their best players anyway. Um, so then when you talk about making moves, I know a lot of people talk about moving Paul George. Um, that's going to be tough to do because Paul George is a guy that let's let's be honest, he's a star. Player, he's a star player, a star talent um, in this league. Uh, I know a lot of people have been down on him, but he's still one of the top 15, 20 players in the league. Agreed. So you, this isn't something where it's like you want to necessarily dump Paul George, um, but you do realize that it may not be the best fit. Um, he could be gone in a year, and you know he he really did let you down, and you feel like maybe there's hit another guy who could help you win a championship with Kawhi. Uh, they'd be a better fit with Kawhi um, from a personality standpoint or just from a basketball standpoint. So to me, the issue, though, with trading Paul George is that we talked about it. He's not the best player in the league. He's, he's a top 15, 20 guy, but he's also on a one year deal. So his value is as, is as and he's coming off the worst, you know, postseason of his career. I mean, um, is it though? <laughs> he's yeah, been terrible no, for the last three years. He's had plenty of bad postseasons, but he's coming off the most embarrassing postseason. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, that that can't that can't be uh, uh, matched. But which is saying something. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. You know, I, he hasn't said anything about an injury necessarily. It's a physical injury, but um, I don't know. I think he's coming off. His, he's at his lowest value. So really, who are you getting for Paul George? What team that has another that has a star player? Is willing to trade for Paul George on a one-year deal. That's the issue. That's going to give you anybody that's better than Paul George. So the other thing that you pivot to is do you maybe think about trading Kawhi Leonard? 
because Kawhi Leonard's value, while also probably not as high as it would normally be if he was um, coming off, if he had three, four years left of his contract, he's also had, has one year left on his deal. But we've already seen a team in Toronto make the move for Kawhi Leonard with one year left on his contract, take the risk, and win a championship. Because he's that kind of player. Paul George isn't that kind of player. You trade for Paul George one year on his deal. He's not going to win you a championship. Not as the number one guy. Maybe as a number two. But if he's if he's as a number two, what team is trading a star player for number two? I, I don't. I mean that that logic doesn't really make sense. So Kawhi is the guy that has the value to make to possibly make a move to. I'm not saying necessarily you're making a move to win a championship, but to keep this team afloat. Because if they stand pat next season. And things go as poorly as they went this season. I don't think I don't necessarily know that Kawhi and PG are going to be back next year. Well, like, and so because of that, you can I mean you can run it back and say you know what if this doesn't work and we maybe we just got to blow it up. But blow it up with what draft picks? Blow it up with what young players? Landry Shamit and and uh, Amir Coffey? They don't have any. They have no assets. They've got nothing. Why would Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, after two years of being in L.A., not winning a championship, let's say they don't get to the NBA Finals, not winning the Western Conference, two years, re-sign with a team that clearly isn't working, that has no way of getting better because they have no draft picks? It's L.A. That's what I was going to well, say, though. It's, it's the one thing that so is different than other teams. It's not like Milwaukee or, some, or you know Toronto or uh, Cleveland. Like Those other teams, they had the issue of we – I know – the issue was you couldn't bring talent because even if you had cat room, it didn't matter. But it also, you know, quality of life, it, it's not the Big Apple. It's not, you know, um, Los Angeles, not Miami. And that hurt those teams. The one thing about Los Angeles that they have an advantage of is, you know, it would it would take George and or Kawhi to leave their hometown, which is the most uh, the hottest destination in of all NBA cities, maybe with the exception of Miami. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the risk you're running. Is saying, look, we're, we're in Los Angeles, so we'll. And, and also, it, you're it, a good team. It's not like you're also like a terrible team. Like it'd be different if you're a team that's like, you know, a lottery team, and um, and it's like okay, this is LA, but we stink, so I'll get out of here. Like, you know, you you Paul George and Kawhi, or even with just one of those guys, you're you're making the playoffs every year. Well, at least with definitely with Kawhi. I don't know about Paul George. And that and that's that's the thing. If you're Kawhi. If you find a better situation, I don't know if he would. I wouldn't hesitate to necessarily think that he would think about leaving. Um, Paul George, like if you throw a max at him, I, it, I don't necessarily think he's gonna just run from that because he's not. Yeah, he's not somebody that's like winning winning anybody a championship based off his of his presence necessarily. Um, so look, let's talk about potential moves. I have two, and I think the logical trade partner for both of these two moves. Are the Houston Rockets, ironically enough. But the two moves that I'm thinking about are either star for star or sidekick for sidekick. Harden for Leonard or Westbrook for George. I mean, you know how I feel about Russ. I got you know, and look, he he did prove me wrong for the regular season. And I'll actually give him a break for the postseason. I think that he was Hurt and not as in shape as yeah, he had COVID. people think. So like I, I don't, I know he, he played terrible, but I don't, I don't. This wasn't a Paul George situation where he just didn't live up to the moment. I think that he just wasn't capable given the situation. 
but it is what it is. He still didn't so, show up. I think Westbrook is a good fit with Kawhi. And personality-wise, again, both from L.A., um, but personality-wise, I think he's a good fit with, with Kawhi because he does give you that more rah-rah kind of guy. Um, although Kawhi would be the, 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 steady, the steady hand of the team. It's not like Westbrook clearly isn't a steady hand, but um, that energy that you need from a guy like Westbrook uh, or from a guy like Kawhi, Westbrook will certainly bring that. Um, PG just doesn't. And I, look, could the Clippers have lost a series with Westbrook? Probably. Um, I don't think they do. I think if they have Westbrook instead of Paul George, I think they win the series. And that's that's hard to necessarily I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Westbrook, again, yeah, was horrible. I mean, that's, horrible. that's hard because Westbrook didn't play great in the other series. But I... Paul George was bad. Like, I mean, he didn't really help. Westbrook him. was bad, and yeah, Westbrook was bad, and that that's that's the that's the thing you have to juggle is that look, if Westbrook is just as bad as Paul George was. Um, then yeah, they're not going to win. But I, I think Westbrook, in a normal sense, I mean, look, I would have to get more than Westbrook. Let's start with that. Westbrook, his contract is too bad for me. That's what I was going to say. I'm not touching that contract. Yeah, it's a bad contract. So that's the issue. Is like. You're doing that trade, but now you're stuck with the contract. You have no assets, and Houston doesn't really have much to give you. I look. I think the Kawhi Harden trade is intriguing because if I'm the Clippers, again, I already told you. I think these guys are leaving. I think this could be a, the second coming of the Brooklyn Nets post uh, Celtics trade, and that is a scary future for this Clippers franchise. Because, it, again, they have no draft picks. They traded it all. They traded their best young player in SGA and at pretty much every pick that they've had, that they have for the next six years. So they're going to have to say to themselves, are we going to really risk everything we've got on next season with the hopes that these guys will figure it out? Maybe with a new coach, maybe with the same coach. We'll see. But, or are we going to punt? Essentially, punt next season. I mean, I mean, Harden's good enough to you could win a championship, but more or less, you're probably not with Harden and Paul George, if we're being honest. But you're punting because Harden is signed long term. Is a guy that seems much more predictable in what he would do in free agency. So you feel like, all right, we have him for the next two or three years, and you kind of feel like with if we pay him enough, like he'll he'll probably he's probably not leaving L.A. Um, I feel like that is a move that makes sense. And if you're the Rockets, the Rockets to me are taking the big risk in that regard, because now you're saying we're going to trade James Harden, who's uh, arguably the greatest Rocket of all time. I mean, Hakeem Olajuwon. I don't think that's arguable. No, he's not. No way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No way. He has no championships. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, Olajuwon had the championships. Um, The greatest offensive Rocket of all time. That's inarguable. But, um, but look, I mean, you're trading one of the all-time greatest Rockets of all time, and you're moving him for a guy that's on a one-year deal. And as we've seen, has been traded, won a championship, and still left. So it's a risk, but I think that that's the move that I would make if I was the, the Clippers. And I mean, if the Rockets, I don't know if I would do it, but you'd have to make the consideration. And Daryl Morey might be crazy enough to do it. I'm not touching Westbrook. I could see myself trying to convince them. If I can give them George and something else, maybe I get third team involved. I'd try to get Harden and try to pair Leonard, uh, Leonard and Harden. Um, but here, it, it, it's impossible. Uh, maybe it is, but I think that that's the first call I'm trying to make. 
Because um, I'm thinking maybe the, the Rockets feel like the Harden thing is not working out and we got to, you know, rebuild anyway. Like, that that's how – like, you got to think that they're approaching this offseason like how the Thunder approaching last offseason. Um, I'm not saying Harden's that they are. But. That's the problem. Like, the the Thunder gave up George. George is good and Westbrook all is good. You know, Westbrook's good. But, like, those guys aren't top five players in the league. No. That's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's almost impossible to get a guy like that. That's why the only way you can get Harden is if you're trading Kawhi Leonard. No, I get you. But here, here, here's a here's a crazy idea for throwing out crazy trades. Um, but we should move on soon. What about if I got a three team three teamer involved, and let's say I got Milwaukee involved, and I got Milwaukee to send um, Middleton to Oklahoma City, I could take Chris Paul and I send Paul George to uh, to Milwaukee. Because that's because they they need like a floor general, and. You know, Chris Paul has two years left on his deal, but look, man, you're you're going for it anyway. So, it's it's this year and next year, pretty much. And he's, you know, he obviously he he'll be fine going back to L.A. He loves the city. He lived there. I mean, I mean, still at home there, I believe. What do you say? How many draft picks are going to Milwaukee <laughs> to get them to take Paul George? <laughs> you don't think they would happily take Paul George with given Middleton's contract? Uh, Middleton's a good player. I mean, he's not a bad. I mean, he's he's a good player. But I mean, he just he signed he signed for a long term situation. You don't know if Giannis is going to sign after next year. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm asking for at least one of those OKC, a couple of those OKC picks, either their own or, um, or because I would they trade would they trade straight up Paul George for Kawhi, for Chris Middleton? I mean. I think they think about it. They got to do something. To, they got to do something to sell line Giannis for trying. I know Paul George is like his name is not the name. People yeah, I mean, right that's now. just like. Oh, but he, right. but I think I think most people think he's better than Chris Middleton. I mean, yeah, in a, in a vacuum, but like situationally, like that's just like I don't know. It's like the Westbrook Paul. It's like the Westbrook Chris Paul thing. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, the vacuum. I guess what I guess Westbrook's better than Chris Paul, but I mean. Is he, is he really? You know, like, is Paul George really better than Chris Middleton? I mean, I don't know. I think Milwaukee is desperate enough to need to do something. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, like, they, they'd be like adding, like, a, I know, like, Middleton is an all-star. But, like, you'd be adding a bona fide star next to Giannis. Like, I think that would be yeah. something to say, yo, man, like, we're trying. Another 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 household name, another signature shoe guy. Like, I, I mean, it makes sense from, like, a... From a business standpoint, and like again, trying to maybe sell it to Giannis, but and if you're the Clippers, you might be able to recoup some assets to take back Chris Paul as well, considering his age and his contract. So that's that's the crazy team trade I would pursue about the Clippers. But yeah, it was, it was a mess. It was it was like, like this this uh this this playoffs was a mess. And the last thing on the chemistry thing too, but also I didn't want to hear about chemistry is. And I'm all, you know me, me and you on the same page, I'm all for load management. I have no issue with it. I understand it. However, you cannot be the team that does load management and complains about chemistry. Can't happen. You guys have plenty of regular season games where you guys could have had the reps to work things out in close games and how to finish games and how to, you know, close out teams defensively and get stops. And you guys thought it wasn't important. You preferred load management. And... 
Your choice is your choice. I'm not really even judging the choice because, I mean, it worked for Toronto last year. It, it, every team is different. But you can't be the team to complain about chemistry and then you load manage all year. And when people say, hey, you think this might be a bad idea considering, you know, this is a new team with not a lot of chemistry, you're like, oh, don't worry about it. So that's like, that's that's another thing about this, uh, this situation that um, – it's troublesome. Last thing, last question I have on this, Kendall. I mean, we really got to move on because we're over time here. But do you think Doc Rivers should have been under consideration to be fired, given what happened? He's what, not he going not? to, it doesn't look like. <laughs> um, <laughs> you surprised me. I mean, I thought he would have been fired, but I don't know. Because it, it doesn't I look mean, like he's going to be fired. Everyone's saying he's coming back. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say it. I, I think coaches in the NBA especially get let go too easily. Um, I don't, they're, all these coaches are good. and But you have to ask yourself, when you have a coach like Doc Rivers, who is one of the 10 best coaches in the league, is it going to get better? You know, mm-hmm. I I would think if you have Paul George and Kawhi, you could recruit a better coach than, Paul, than Doc Rivers. Or just somebody that is a you know, change of... Somebody course. who won't decide that I'm going to let Williams and Harold get just eaten alive on pick and roll, possession after possession after possession, and not make a decision to take one of them out or do something with their defensive coverage and not let that happen. At least was switching. <laughs> yeah, I know, but whatever they were doing, it wasn't working, man. Uh, man, vintage Doc. No, I mean, look, Doc. I think he'd be a great fit in New Orleans. Um, that's me personally, but I don't know. I, I mean, I would have moved on. I don't know who the coach is that I would have brought in. Um, but this seems a mess. Like, I, it's not... It's I would have gave, gave Ty Lue the shot, to be honest. I think this nah, would have been your perfect, like... I'm not a big Ty Lue fan. Um, but... I think I Ty Lue, that, though, I think Ty Lue... As crazy as it sounds, I think that he could have handled these personalities, I think, better than Doc would have. But he, He's in the locker room. That, to me... I mean, X's and O's wise, like I mean, he's a downgrade, and he's in the locker room. So I mean, handling the yeah, the but locker- Doc is he was in the locker room with Black, <laughs> like, like he was in the locker yeah. room. I've seen sure. him do that before. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I, I think that I would give Ty Lue the shot and say, look, X and O's. I don't know if he's better than Doc. He probably isn't, but. Doc left a lot to be desired in this series and throughout this playoffs. Like I don't know what Doc is asking those really. If I'm Ty Lue, I don't, coaches. I'm not. I'm not the biggest Ty Lue guy just because he coached LeBron and like. I'm not saying that his championship is meaningless, but I'm just saying like from an X's and O standpoint, I can't. I can't really evaluate. I get you know? it. The little bit I saw from without LeBron, I mean, it was it was a, it was a train wreck. I mean, it's a train wreck now with JB Bickerstaff. It was a train wreck with John Beeline, so it's not necessarily his fault, but. Um, the city's familiar know. with Ty Lue. Um, Sam Cassell. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Sam Cassell I, I should get a head coaching time. job. I don't know what the hell's happening. Like, like I know we didn't get talked about Steve Nash on the show, but, like, honestly, like, that, he's the guy I kept thinking about when Steve Nash got hired over all these other guys. I'm like, yo, Sam Cassell has been coaching, like, forever on, like, yeah. really good staffs. And Steve Nash yeah. just showed up and was like, yo, I want a job. And they gave it to him. Yeah, man. And I mean, Steve Nash was better than Sam Cassell as a player, but that doesn't really, yeah. mean, really mean doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I think what Kyrie and Durant it does. Uh, with no one, with a normal, with a normal, it don't mean anything when they gotta make adjustments in a game five. You down three two or whatever, like no, it's, it's different. Not, 
Yeah, the, the one hundred percent doesn't. It only it only matters because you know how Kyrie is with you know respecting people that have done things. That's true. Respecting people on his on his plane. Yeah. On his level, um, and not respecting people that aren't on his plane and his level. So, um, kind of. Yeah. So you don't think the Boston series is over? No, nah, no, nah, series. I told you before the show started. Not really panicking. It is what it is. Um, Even though Marcus Smart is is one to, to scrap with everybody on the team. No, nah, I love it. it. You know, you Smart. Yeah, yeah, Smart. He he he's um he's wired similarly to I think Celtics fans. Like there are a lot of Celtics fans. Like and it happens all the time. I mean, I remember when, when we lost that game to Toronto. Um, I think it was game. What was it, game five that we lost or game four? I think it was where he was gonna fight Norman Powell. Like. And after the game, and you know, people looked at it like this guy was crazy. I think it was game six, actually. But like, I mean, there are a lot of Celtics fans that want to fight Norman Powell. Like, not not necessarily because like they don't like Norman Powell, but just like he was hitting shots, and you know, somebody's got to somebody's got to like show the, the 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 frustration and show the show the the um you know the emotion the that I think a lot of fans are having. But um, no, nah, I mean, look, the issue with the Celtics, I love. Brad Stevens, um, I think he's a top three coach in the NBA. Um, for a while, I said he was the best. Uh, you know, I think he's dipped a little bit uh, from that rank. Not to say that he's not to say he's gotten worse, but there's a lot of great coaches in the NBA. Like I said, um, the one issue I do have with Brad Stevens is I don't know necessarily. I don't say that he doesn't want to win. Cause I think he does. I think we saw it in the Toronto series. He showed a little bit of emotion, but. His kind of stoic personality sometimes kind of lends you to like, how much does he really want this? Not and then, again, I don't want to. I'm not questioning Brad Stevens as like, you know, does he? And I think he wants to win, but just like, he seems like a personality where like it doesn't it doesn't inspire a sense of urgency, right? You know, I think you know he's made comments in the past like, oh, what I do isn't really that important. Like, what's important is like, you know, being like president and like, you know, doing other things. Like, I think he's somebody who kind of kind of looks at this as like you know, a game. And it's not, it's fine. Because it is. And I think he's right that there's more important things in the in the long run. But um, sometimes his personality on the sidelines rubs people the wrong way. Because it's like, all right, yeah, we get it. Like, this isn't the end of the world. But, you know, I mean, these guys are playing with no heart, no energy. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. No, it's not. It's it's not a major knock. Like that doesn't. I still think he's a top three coach in the league. But when your team is blowing consistently blowing playoff games, you kind of wonder. It's like, do they do they know like how important this is? Like a a, a playoff game in the Eastern Conference Finals isn't nothing. Isn't anything to kind of. Well, Smart you know, seems to know how important it is. Yeah, Marcus Smart does, which is why he needs to be there. Because without him, um, I don't know. It's just a question. It's just a question that I have. I think this team will be fine. Uh, I'm not saying they will win the series. I don't know. It's not. It's not looking great, but this Miami team is still beatable. I mean, they should have won both these games, and um, you know they've played, they've played better teams before. They've beaten better teams before. They beat a better team, uh, I think, last series. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Uh, if they don't win it, like I don't think Miami's winning a championship. But uh, you know that coin toss in the draft may have been the difference in the series because. Boston gets that 13 pick and gets Tyler Hero. I don't even know if they're playing Miami, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, 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 that that loss felt demoralizing to me. I'm not saying that it means it is, but that one, the first game, you know, it's bang bang game, you lose. Okay, whatever. 
That one felt like you let one get away. That was a game that they were controlling, and it felt like the Heat stole one going to the zone. Um, I don't know how much Boston's been zoned all season. I know the Heat like to play zone. I don't know how much they were prepared for I mean, they were prepared for it here in Boston, but I guess I don't know how comfortable comfortable they were against it. They could have been prepared. You could be prepared for anything, but if you're not comfortable with it, it don't matter. Um, And and I don't know how comfortable they were with their zone offense, regardless of how much they prepared for it. Because they looked like they didn't know what they were doing. Um, they, they, They were trying to do the right things, but it just, you know, trying to get into the seams and kick it out. But they just didn't seem to have a plan. Um, offensively in the second half. And, you know, you go enough of those. You have enough empty possessions in a row. Eventually, Duncan Robinson comes out hitting some threes. And eventually, Goran Dragic is going to get it going. Like, you can't just go that empty for that long a period of time and expect to win in the playoffs. That game felt felt like it could be momentum shifting to me because that was a game that, like, Boston was just supposed to win. Okay, you lost the first game, a close game, that you probably should have won. But, you know, it was, again, it was a bang-bang kind of game. This game, okay, you're up by 15. You're showing more emotion. The Heat kind of looks sluggish. You're supposed to win that game. You lose it, and then Marcus Martin is throwing chairs in the locker room. I don't feel good about it. I feel like Boston, the last series, and we talked about it off air, I feel like they let Toronto in that last series. Like I felt like they were a much better team. Um, at least it seemed like it when you watched them play, and it just seemed like Boston didn't know what the right plays were to make to like finish Toronto, and it kept Toronto in it because Toronto had enough guts and guile to get by, despite the fact that Pascal Siakam was struggling so much. The Heat team, this is not a team I think you can like assume that you can just like kind of mess around and think that you're still going to be able to get by. You you can get by Toronto of, off your talent. The Heat have, I think I disagree, I think they have more talent than Toronto. And I think that, um, I just think they're not as battle-worn as Toronto was by the time you faced them. So even though like, you know, Toronto's as balanced as anyone. I just think that the Heat are going to be more able to execute late in games than even Toronto was, given how many how much basketball this team has played over the course of a year. So, I think I think Boston's in trouble. I, I really do. I think that this is panic time. Um, because it just, I, I just don't feel good about them emotionally. It's not anything talent wise. I think talent wise, I thought this was going to be a long seven game series. It still could be, but. I just didn't like the spirit of the Celtics in that second half. And then seeing, hearing what was going on in the locker room, I, nah, I definitely don't like their spirit. I don't know. I'm not going to say this is a sweep or definitely a five-game series, but if it became a five-game series, it wouldn't shock me at this point. Um, Miami yeah, we, just feels like Miami got away with one, and that's a tough one to give up. And the bubble makes it kind of, you know, it, it, it keeps everybody in the series because there's no home court advantage, but that was a tough loss. That, yeah, that's that's the thing that... that um, that's not uh, panicking me. Um, and Gordon Hayward hasn't played yet. He seems to be. He seems like he's gonna play in Game Three, so um, that should definitely help. Um, but I don't know. His wife's also pregnant and could have a kid anytime soon. So, um, you know, he may have to leave in the middle of the series. <laughs> so, uh, or not this series, and it could be the NBA Finals. So, um, yeah, that's something to pay attention to as well. Who you, who you got in the next series, L.A. or Denver? Um, I mean, I have the Lakers. Uh, I think they, I think Nuggets could win. I mean, I remember after 
the Jazz series, I texted you out like, oh, the Nuggets could beat the Clippers. Man. You did. I, I posted it on Twitter and Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I texted you. I was like, this this team could uh, team could beat the Clippers. Um, and because the Clippers didn't look that great against Dallas, like Dallas, you know, could have got them. Maybe if Portland was healthy and Doncic was healthy, but um, I don't necessarily feel as strong about it. I think they could, but I don't feel as strong as they did about them possibly being able to beat the Clippers. Um, this team, the Lakers seem to be clicking on all cylinders right now. They do. In a way, the Clippers weren't. When they when they ran into the Nuggets, um, Anthony Davis is playing great basketball. Um, the role players are all playing very good basketball, and LeBron obviously is playing great basketball. So when the team's playing like that, it's hard. They're hard to beat. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to keep it up all the way through the NBA Finals, but right now they seem like the prohibitive favorite. And the the key is just going to be the Jokic AD matchup. If if Jokic and if Jokic can make the, the can have the impact that we saw in that LA series, um, this Nuggets team is gonna be tough to beat because that is he affects the game in all in all areas and all facets of the game. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, and, and who guards Jamal Murray? You feel like KCP has done good jobs on point guards in the past. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun to watch as well. Yeah, I got the Lakers as well. Um... I think this is a way worse matchup for the Nuggets. Than, I mean, than than the, the Jazz and the Clippers were. Um, Lakers have big bodies to throw at Jokic. I think they're not uh, afraid to play a lot of minutes. Um, whether it be Dwight, Jerry McGee, of course, Anthony Davis. I think a player who should have won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, so I, I think that you know Davis will be able to negate the Jokic to some degree, along with those other bigs when they rotate in. I don't think. I think. While you mentioned the KCP point, and I say, you know, the one thing about, you know, KCP's defense is that it means you got to play him on offense, and that's a detriment. I also feel the same way about the Nuggets and Torrey Craig because he's got to play a lot of minutes guarding LeBron. And part of me with Denver wants it, wonders if he's even worth it. Like, is it worth it playing him however long you got to play him so that to have – he's not even a big enough body to guard LeBron, but somebody who's, like, in the same, like, arena – as an athlete, as LeBron James. Besides, Jeremy Grant's going to get playing time with him. But if it's not Grant, it's going to be probably Craig. And, man, oh, I, offensively, he's just not the greatest player. Um, um, and, and it's not like he's a terrible offensive player, but I guess, I guess it's like your team. And the Lakers are so good defensively. I just feel like you can't have too many, like, guys that you just don't have to guard on out there, you know? Like, Denver's strength, I think, is that, like, they have four or five guys that can – when going are capable of scoring. Um, and I thought Gary Harris getting it going in game seven was was maybe the most, besides winning, obviously, was maybe the most encouraging sign for the Nuggets for the rest of these playoffs because he's, to me, is always the X factor. And this year he battled injuries. I just think he wasn't right. And he's making a lot of money, and he really has to live up to the contract. But I, I still believe in him as, a, as a, a very solid role player on a potentially championship caliber team. So... I just think this is a bad matchup. I think the Nuggets clearly got a lot of heart. So I feel like they're going to get a game or two just on heart. Um, but I think too much LeBron and AD. Um, Jokic has got to guard AD. I don't, again, I'm playing Torrey Craig a bunch of minutes to guard LeBron. Um, it, it just doesn't seem – look, Denver keeps defying the odds, so who knows. 
I think me and you both kind of had an idea that they would give the Clippers trouble the last series, as we said in that text message, as you pointed it out. Um, yeah. I don't feel the same about this Lakers team. I also feel like the Lakers, to me, are like they're like the taskmaster of the NBA, where you may get them in a game, but like they figure out what you're doing very quickly, and they're able to just counter everything you did in the next in the next game or two, and you can't seem to ever come up with a new game plan to to, to beat that team. Like there may be a game plan to beat them once or twice, but like game plan to beat them four times, I can't imagine the Nuggets have that. And it's not it's nothing against Mike Malone, who I you know I've been singing Mike Malone's praise since he was an assistant coach. I, I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA I have for a long time. Um, it's nothing against Murray, who I, I told you to me Murray's like the Josh Beckett of the NBA right now, Josh Beckett in Miami, uh, where like you know young player who like we think has a lot of potential but hasn't necessarily like shown it, and then like he's on some crazy postseason run. Like, Becky did it with the Marlins. I feel like that's what Murray's doing now uh, for the Nuggets. You know, and if that's the case, I think Michael Porter's like your Miguel Cabrera as a teenager. But um, for the baseball heads out there. But, like, you know, to me, it's just it's just, it's just, just not enough. Uh, I'd say Lakers win this in six. But um, I can't wait, though. And, again, one thing, I am not counting out the Nuggets. Not because of anything necessarily matchup-wise, but just this team plays together. The right way, they know what they're doing, um, and Jokic just—he makes everybody so much better. That I mean, if he really gets going and like figuring out your defense, it's—it could be a long day for you. So that's the—that's yeah. the caveat with them. It's like if he figures out the Laker defense and those other guys shoot the ball with confidence, you know. I tell you what, man, I want to—I really want to give props to Jokic and, and Murray because they did. What, to me, I, I couldn't believe Kawhi and Paul George didn't do. But, like, game sevens, you're kind of the underdog. The star players need to come out of the gates hot, ready to go, and to show the role players, hey, I'm going to be here. So once you guys are making shots, I'm going to be here. I thought Murray and Jokic, even though they were down that first half, I thought they played, besides the turnovers, I thought they were exceptional. against a really tough team when the role players clearly didn't look like they were ready to play. <laughs> I mean, those are the guys on the Nuggets – it, the moment seemed like it was a lot for them. And Murray and Jokic just kept them in it by shot making and just difficult plays. Count time and time again to kind of keep them in it. And they, they cut into that lead going into this, going into halftime. And that was like, wow, that was like a veteran star, superstar group performance. Like, that's what you see. Like, Shaq says it all the time is that games like that, you know, particularly when you're like you're on the road, like you need to kind of show your role players. I'm going to be here, and I'm ready. Like, Eventually, I'm going to need you guys, but I'm, I'm going to carry you guys for a while. And the way, the way Murray and Yoke did that, they showed me so much maturity. I, I just got to give them that shout-out. I thought they were tremendous. Um, football. Kendall, uh, biggest takeaway from week one. It's a lot, but give me something. Um, NFL week one, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Things clean that up. That's what I. That's what I uh, assumed. But um, I have an interesting stat, but I'll get to that uh, after uh, after you give yours. To me, I don't know. I think that there are. There's going to be some. First of all, the biggest takeaway, just in general, glad football's back. Like I said at the top, um, the, it was definitely fun to see all those games. Like 
you know, it, it this this week one was one of the better week ones I think we've seen in a long time because in terms of like the excitement and the energy because there was no preseason. You know, typically like preseason week one is like exciting because you'd see all these teams play, but like I almost feel like this is how it should always be. Like just just get the games going. You know, like yeah, I know I kind of agree. Yeah, preseason is cool, but it's way too long. Like maybe one week of preseason. Yeah, go you know? do one game. Like yeah, one, one game is all we need. Yeah, one game is all we need. I mean, this this four game stuff is. It, once you get to the fourth game, you're like, wow, this thing is still going on. I don't think people watch the fourth preseason game. So I, I mean, this was very, very exciting. Uh, it was very, very exciting to watch. Um, in terms of the teams that we saw, that I was very impressed by, um, liked what I saw from the Cardinals. Um, their offense is really, really tough to stop. Um, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury uh, was going, continued to go to DeAndre Hopkins like it was, it was like, it was, it was like Shaq, you know, in the playoffs uh, during some of those during that three peat <laughs> during you know it was like throw it in the post like it was just keep get it keep giving it to DeAndre keep giving it to DeAndre. Um, something you rarely see, you know, just a receiver, especially in in those air raid type offenses. Typically, they like to divvy it up, but no, it was we was going to keep going to Hopkins. Yeah, he, he made challenge. He made challenge Michael Thomas, especially who, now that he's going to miss games uh, for the receptions uh, title. This yeah, year. yeah, they're 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 going to really focus on that um, and on him this season. Um, and Murray, look, I think Murray might win MVP this season. Um, and I know some people have him, kind of have him as a dark horse, and I completely agree with that, uh, with the way that offense is being run. Um, the Patriots also looked very solid. Um, I don't think the Dolphins really looked that bad. I, I know a lot of people are really hyping up the I mean, Patriots. Fitzpatrick, the though, Fitzpatrick was a mess. Fitzpatrick wasn't great. Um, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, Fitzpatrick wasn't great. But the issue, the issue is that Devontae Parker like didn't play the, the whole second half. And yeah. that's... You know, that's a guy that I mean, that's that's their only weapon on offense. Um, so you know, you have no Devontae Parker, um, Xavier Howard, their best corner, also didn't really play in the second half as well. So they had to throw in the rookie from Auburn, the cornerback um, that they drafted. They, they played really all three. They played all three rookies. Uh, seemed like, but um, I don't. Well, I don't say they played all three rookies. Two didn't play, so they played Austin Jackson at left tackle, and they played uh, the corner. Um, they did not play. Uh, Tua, but I don't know. Um, those were two games that I watched pretty closely, and the Vikings were a mess. Green Bay is a team to look out for, man. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is like he's ready. To have a chip on his shoulder, and Trent Dilfer made this point um, after that game that the draft, the the drafting of Jordan Love was probably less about Love than it was about Rodgers. And what he meant, what he meant by that, or what I mean by that, in paraphrasing, is that they drafted Jordan Love one because they thought, yeah, you know, he's going to give us a good long-term insurance and long-term, you know, long-term insurance when Rodgers ultimately leaves or retires. But they also drafted him to piss off Aaron Rodgers because they knew a pissed-off Aaron Rodgers is much better than the Aaron Rodgers they had they they had last season. Which was somebody that was good, very good, but not superstar level, not Hall of Fame level. I thought you were going to go a different route. I thought you were going to say they drafted Jordan Love for Aaron Rodgers in the sense that they knew, Aaron, you 
you can't be the way you were last year and think that we're going to win a Super Bowl. So we got to get someone else in here. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, I mean, right. that sounds crazy, but think about it. He did not play well last year. I'm a yeah. big Aaron yeah. Rodgers fan. Yeah, I think but, they believe. I think they believe in Rodgers. I think they believe in him too. But I think it was part. I think there could have been also been like, yo, like this is like if this is what he's gonna look like, we have to think about the future. We just have yeah. to. We have and no I, choice. And I think, I think they and were, that in tune could have absolutely pissed them off. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and but I also think they know Rodgers, and we know Rodgers. Like Rodgers, yeah. we knew the second they drafted Love, like, oh man. Rodgers isn't going to like that. And I think that's the reaction they wanted. They knew the, what the reaction was going to be. And we saw the the fruits of that in week one. Um, the Minnesota couldn't do anything with that Packers uh, offense. Um, it was close, but that game wasn't close at all. I don't know if it was game plan, but, like, talk about sucker punch. All offseason, all training camp, it was, oh, Aaron Rodgers, you got to get used to, you know, we got to have a ball control kind of team. We want to play more like San Francisco. Yeah, We're going to run the ball. We're going to rely on this tough defense. And they just came out, spread everybody out, and just bombed away. Like, that was a sucker punch. I did not expect to see that kind of Packers offense. What were some of your takeaways, DJ? Um, for me, the Jets are a disaster. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about the Jets. I'm glad you brought them up. Um, they're a disaster. Le'Veon's already out. Mims is already out. He didn't even play. Um, yeah, the beat writers wanted to fight each other. Yeah, the beat writers are, the beat writers are beefing. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just feel like the Jets are like low key, like the worst run organization like the NFL and like in sports I mean like and it's crazy that they're low-key because they're a New York team but like when I look at just watching that first half like I told you like this that was one of the worst halves of football I've ever watched with the New York Jets and yeah you know how much that you know what that's how much that's saying considering I'm a Jets fan and how much bad halves I've watched yeah that the lack fair. of no competitiveness that's what was so crazy about it it was just they were a non-competitive football team for the first uh, you know, first 30 minutes of that game. Just, they, they had no chance. And to me, I know everybody's kind of hot on Buffalo. I'm kind of not because they were up 21-3. They should have been up 41-3. Like, that's how, yeah. bad, that's how bad the Jets look. Like, Allen's fumbling the football. He was sharp throwing it, and he, and he looked good running. But you're fumbling the football. You can't run it. I guess the Jets defense that was, like, again, not all that great. It was for Marcus May. I don't know how many points Buffalo would have put up in that first half. Um, the Jets are a mess. They are a terribly run organization. I, I mean, I, now I believe in Joe Douglas. Let me be clear, but just the the talent pool that was put together for this season, considering it's not all on Joe because he inherited a lot of this mess. But it's just like looking at the guys out there and looking at the team they put out there. If they're not calling for Allen Robinson, I don't know what Joe's doing. Like it's just it's it's malpractice to have a Maserati as a quarterback and, and Donald. And just give him no support. The head coach is no support. The receivers are no support. The offensive line, they were they didn't have a great day. I, I, I'm not. I'm gonna give them a little bit of a break. They had no preseason. Makai Becton actually had a great game despite one holding penalty. Um, and I think he gave up one sack. But besides that, I mean, he, he was the highest rated rookie I think by Pro Football Focus. And if you watch the tape, he was just mauling people. So okay, they got that pick right. Looks like maybe you know it's only one game. But just the, the the lack of a of the talent pool, of the roster is just just grotesque, and it's just it's it's embarrassing. 
you know, that, that you have a quarterback like that, and now we're going to have another year, it looks like. We really don't know what Sam Darnold is still. And next year, you got to think about, are you extending him? And it's just like, how are we going to make that decision based on what we've seen, which is nothing. So the uh, Jets were an absolute mess. Um, uh, what else did I, what else did I like? I mean... Although, first of all, the Ravens are the Ravens and the Chiefs. No, still the class of the conference, obviously. Um, not too much a surprise. I thought both of those games would be what they were, but still, to see Lamar still getting better, it's scary to see Mahomes. He's still getting better. Those guys are going to be the the class of the AFC turn the quarterbacks for a long time. Um, and what was what else did I think was interesting? Um, I, I want to I, I know this is a weird. Oh, last thing I want to say. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not buying New England yet. I'm not buying anything I see against a team playing Miami that won by ten points. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I think that they played well. Their defense is is pretty good. Um, they did what they were supposed to do, but I, I think people are just running to like crown them. And I, I want to see them on the road. I want to see them against better competition. It was a nice win. It was a good win. I'm not completely buying into it. Oh, everybody was stupid if not signing Cam yet. I got to see more. Especially if we talk about a guy who can't stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, New England, I, I kind of agree. Like, I'm not I'm not down. I'm, I mean, I, I'm definitely not down on them. But, like, I definitely agree that I don't know whether or not it was New England being good and Miami being good but not good enough or – Miami being bad and New England being just good enough to beat them. You know, that's the question. Um, I think we'll know more about that win when we see more of Miami. Um, Because, you know, again, they didn't have Parker. Xavier and Howard got hurt. Uh, Both of those guys didn't play much in the second half or at all in the second half. So, um, I mean, that's that's your top receiver and one of your top corners, you know, a starting corner down um and that that's when the game was close <laughs> your game was close at halftime so i don't know um are you, are you out on tampa we, that's the team we got to talk about yeah tampa i mean i watched more of the the arizona san francisco game um so. but it did see it, it i i wouldn't panic after one after one game i know a lot of people are out on them um yeah you know i think yeah i was i was, great- I was tweeting i was like yo man this is looking like the philly dream team yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, I, I remember I sent you guys when they signed Leonard Fournette. It was, I was like, yo, man, this is this is like Vince Young going to the Eagles. I don't know. He doesn't fit anything that Tom Brady ever fit <laughs> at all. Doesn't fit the roster. But you know, it's just a name. He's a great player, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, how much is he actually going to help them? Like, Lashawn McCoy made sense of like, okay, like you know, a guy could play in the passing game. Like, he's a little over the hill, but I mean. Kind of could fit somebody that Brady's played with. Leonard Fournette, like, he he gives you no value in the passing game. Like, he's just a runner. I mean, it's fine. You, I mean, I'll take him, but, I mean, he's not, he's not going to be the difference in them winning a Super Bowl or not. But, um, no, I think that this, I think, I think the issue is that they played a lot of, I feel like they played a lot of Bruce Arians ball, which is fine. You know, they, they tried to, to, you know, they took a lot of risk and a lot of shots, and um, I Brady Brady has typically been a guy that has really, you know, I don't think he's been dinking dunk the last couple of years, but you know, he's not a guy that's really trying to push the defense vertically. Um, 
to start out games. You know, he'll he'll he's a guy he'll he'll set you up low to then beat you high. But um, I felt like they were doing the opposite, which is something Bruce Arians likes to do, and that's how this team has. You know, that's that's the that's, why, Arians, that's why that's why Jameis threw thirty interceptions. Yeah, exactly. They like they like to, they like to push the ball down the field, and Brady looks like he's on pace to throw thirty interceptions right now. Um, but like when you bring in Tom Brady. You don't bring Tom Brady in to run Bruce Arians' offense. I know. I agree with that. That sounds like, well, then don't bring in Tom Brady. But he's Tom Brady. You bring in Tom Brady, bring in Tom Brady. But if you're going to do that, I mean, the, the the Denver Broncos didn't bring in Tom Brady to run. Peyton Manning. Me. Yeah. Or, I mean, Pey- yeah, Brent, Denver Broncos didn't bring Peyton Manning to run, you know, Gary Kubiak's offense or Adam Keaton's <laughs> offense. Right. Yeah. Peyton Manning showed up and was like, <laughs> all right, you know, you guys are going to run my offense. Uh, like, I forgot which team it was. They were the team that told Peyton, like, yeah, you know, Peyton was like, what? I was like, I ain't going there. So, <laughs> like, Brady, I mean, I don't think Brady cared as much, but you got to run Brady stuff. You got to run stuff that Brady's been comfortable with. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't panic. I think there's still plenty of time. They already talk about friction and all those stuff. I don't know if it's real or if it's just stuff the media is trying to, you know, kind of plant. But well, look, man, Arian was like, "Yo, man, he looked like Tom Brady in practice." I don't know what happened in the game. And I was like, "Oh, we're we're at that point." Okay. Yeah, we're there. Coaching Tom Brady. Okay. Yeah, that was very Mike Zimmer. You know, I've seen Mike <laughs> Zimmer. Typically, he's not nice to quarterbacks, but. Um, I still laugh. I, I thought Brady left. I thought Brady left Belichick because of that kind of hard coaching. Yeah, I know, right? And yeah, Belichick wouldn't even blast Brady like that in the media. I went to another like nut job coach. Um, yeah. Um, college football, Kendall. Um, we had some games. Some teams are coming back. Big Ten saying they're going to play eight games plus one, and then the championship. Um, what do you? What do you? What do you? What were the takeaways from college football? And what do you yeah, think about the Big I mean, Ten return? Yeah, the the <laughs> college football man. That was a fun first uh, first real week of college football. Um, you know, I, I I think it seems like you know when Navy played BYU, they like they got just completely destroyed because you no, know, they hadn't tackled anybody pretty much all preseason. Like uh, their coach uh, Neo Matatolo. Um, Mito, Neo Matalolo, I should say, uh, Ken said that he, um, he didn't have them tackling because of COVID, like during practice. So then they went out against BYU and just couldn't tackle anybody. Yeah, they got steamrolled. Yeah, and got completely steamrolled. So it's going to be interesting to see which teams are more prepared than others. But, um, I mean, look, Clemson looked incredible, obviously. Trevor Lawrence looked completely locked in. Um, Lawrence looked like he should be playing on Sundays already. Yeah, like if that if that game wasn't proof that like this three whole three years thing is just a complete sham, then that is that that and that should have been enough because like we said it after they won the national championship that this guy should be one and done. Like he doesn't need two he doesn't need two more years of college. Then he went out last year. It wasn't great. It was probably a year where it was like, all right, maybe he shouldn't be in the NFL right now. Maybe it's best for him to do one more year. Um but now, or maybe it's good that he did that he had that he did do that second year rather. But now it's like, all right, this is this is too much. Now I know he's playing Wake Forest, but it's not like he's playing. Um, it's not like he's playing, you know, Citadel. Yeah, Austin P. Yeah, he's not playing Austin P. Like Kenny Pickett did in Pitt. You know, where you're like, all right, I don't know, I don't know what to make of this. But 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, Lawrence looked great. You know, I think the best teams are the best teams. Oklahoma, they 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 obviously blew out Missouri State. Yeah, that was like a, that was a that was a scrimmage. Yeah, that was a scrimmage. Um, always great to see Bobby Petrino lose by like seventy. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, you know, Spencer Rattler, new fresh, not a fresh. Well, I guess he was a freshman, redshirt freshman, uh, quarterback. Um, obviously looked great, but uh, I, there wasn't any real competition, so we really won't have a uh, a good handle on him until later in the season. Um, but I look, I'm gonna ask you, what teams uh, do you expect? Or what 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 were your takeaways, and what teams do you expect uh, um, to see in that playoff? Um, takeaways, man. Florida State, ooh, hates to be you, man. I know I'm a <laughs> Miami fan, and I'm kind of digging dirt, you know, pouring dirt on your grave, but. What another just like awful performance by the Seminoles. They should have hired Prime, man. Shout out to Prime, new coach at yeah. Jackson State. That's, that's rough, man. You go from trying to be at the Florida State job to Jackson State job, like yeah, man, that's a that's a tough. Uh, spent the week, spent the week, spent the week at Barstool. He was like, "Yo, get me out of here." Yeah, man. <laughs> he was like, "Yo, you talked to Portnoy about Blake Mayfield for five minutes." He was like, "Yo, who got a get coaching job? <laughs> <laughs> I'll coach anywhere." He was like, "Jackson Steve, like, well, that's where Walter Payton went, right?" <laughs> I there. Yo, he was like, "Yo, get me out of here." Um, yeah, Florida State, man. I look at this one game. Um. But, you know, obviously you're expecting to, you know, dominate a team like Georgia Tech. And it, the thing was, for most of the game, they were. But it kind of was like a – that's what was so, like, bad about the game was that it was like a typical Florida State loss where, like, yeah. it was like mental errors, turnovers, um, and, and just non-clutch play down the stretch. You, you knew that the Florida State thing was going to be bad when you saw James Blackman was still the quarterback. Yeah, I couldn't believe he was still – Playing quarterback, I'm like, like they ain't got nobody else. Only... Yeah, they only played him because, <laughs> like, initially they only played him because DeAndre Francois got hurt, and Francois is not there anymore. Yeah, yeah got kicked off the team. So they're like, wow. So now we got to play this guy, and because they didn't recruit a quarterback, if Jimbo was trying to get out of there, so he's like, I don't care about recruiting, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, so that's why he left because he probably saw like, wow, we don't have a quarterback, and so he stuck with James Blackman. And you kind of felt like by now, like they would have brought in a grad transfer, they would have found somebody or signed some some hot shot freshman that was good enough to beat out James Blackman. And no disrespect to Blackman, but he's just not a high level ACC quarterback. And when you saw he was still the quarterback after three years, and in the pregame show, EJ Manuel for ACC Network was like, "Yeah, you know, former Florida State quarterback was like, yeah, I mean." You know, I'm excited to see what James Blackman looks like. You know, after year three, hopefully he's learned from a lot of his mistakes. He's matured and stuff. I'm just like. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I know, right? He did not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a tough tough take there. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, uh, listeners. But whenever Florida State slander is possible, it's just going to happen. So, (laughs) I'm sorry that the laughing is. A little uncontrollable here, but that was a bad yeah. performance, man. I'm not gonna lie, that was a yeah bad performance. Again, I, you, I, I, I hate to, I hate to pick on James Blackman because like he's not the the only reason they lost, but like that's not, yeah. But you feel like this thing will get better when they get a quarterback in there, you know? Like when they get, you know, Mike Norvell is a good coach. Like if they can recruit a quarterback that is high level, um, that'll be the turning point for the program. But they're not there yet because the quarterback position is not there. Um, that's a problem for a lot of programs. Uh, it has it had been for Miami for a lot of years. Yeah. 
Um, so that it's tough to win when you don't have a quarterback that you don't feel confident. Yeah, other team, um, Notre Dame won, but I wasn't all that impressed with them. Uh, Ian Book, uh, he didn't look as sharp. Like Duke didn't really impress me necessarily. It was yeah, right. yeah, Notre Dame Double. just kind of looked a little sloppy. Ian Book was a little loose with the ball. Um, Welcome to the ACC. I think he'll be. I think Notre Dame will be okay in the ACC. Um, but uh, but I, I, you know, I'm grading. Even Florida State and Notre Dame, I, you gotta grade all these teams a little bit of a curve because you know, like they barely practicing. They don't know if they're gonna play. They don't know who's gonna play if they do play. Yeah, they don't know so, if they're playing week in week out. Are we even playing this game? Yeah, is this happening? Um, but like, but like, you know, I don't know how I feel about the Big Ten. Um, I, I to be honest, I don't think that college football really should be happening. But rapid yeah. testing is good. But then when I think about it, I say, okay, well, why isn't everyone getting rapid testing then? And why isn't the whole country getting rapid testing? It just leads me to more like questions that just frustrate me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like I try sometimes thinking too deep about it kind of just like makes it worse. So I just kind of let it be. Um, yeah. Uh, my my yeah. only thing is like I, I agree from a from a from a macro sense that like yeah I mean. Um, it's not it's not ideal that the Big Ten is playing like the the way the way people are picking apart like yeah they caved like I get it like that's not great you know you don't make that decision and then <laughs> then you know one eighty um because of pressure I don't even know if it was because of pressure but like but what I will say is that for them in that moment like when you see everyone else playing and I understood why they made the decision you know like it was gonna be tough. To sit out, sit out when everyone else is playing, and you know, holding it together for now. Um, and they do, they, they, it's in October, so I think they also are cognizant that they could shut it down at some point. Um, like shut it down beforehand. If things in the next couple of weeks of college football is a mess, they can shut it down. I'm happy baseball still happening. I, I'm shocked. I thought baseball would be done by now. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, and but I feel like. These teams have gotten smarter. I think the players have gotten smarter and just like being smart. Like we want a season. Like let's not do anything stupid. Um, unlike the Memphis uh, football team, which had a party bus, mm. <laughs> had a party bus after they beat Arkansas State, which is the first issue. Like you only beat Arkansas State. Like it's not like you, you didn't win the American Conference. And you're running out a party bus. Like <laughs> what a clown! But whoever did that, but. Um, and then you 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 got a COVID outbreak like a day later. I mean that's nuts. And then you got guys on the team going on Twitter and blaming Arkansas State, saying they got gotta get tested. It's like they are getting tested. They're playing Kansas State this week, and they didn't they didn't test positive. So clearly <laughs> this happened after you guys played them. So yeah, I mean it's that's the issue. It's like man, this week to week like is is the daily testing makes you feel like all right. Things are out of control. Teams just won't play. Like Houston mm-hmm. didn't have to succumb to the to the to having to play Memphis. They just I think a situation like the Memphis thing should have been a forfeit. I'll be honest. Like it should be like they're doing this postponed thing. But if a team does something, and again, it's tough. It's tough for the contract rate because like how do you know when I got it? But like if a, if there are reports of a party bus, that's 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 a forfeit. Like, you guys didn't want to play. So, I don't know. You know, but where, where are you at with some of these teams uh, in terms of uh, the playoff? 
let's. I'll go Clemson. I'll go. Uh, assuming that the Big Ten will be allowed in, I will say Ohio State. Um, somebody's gonna come out of the SEC, so I'll say it's Alabama, and I'll make Texas my my fourth team. Mm. Yeah, Clemson looks like they're not gonna lose. No, um, they don't want they're gonna lose. Yeah, they don't think they're gonna lose. I mean, Wake Forest again, not a juggernaut, but not a complete rollover, and they didn't look like a complete rollover. So they don't really. I know, look I know like there's the, there's a lot of like people high on the ACC this year. Um, North think. Carolina and Miami are the teams a lot of people keep looking at, and they didn't show me enough in Week One to make me believers. Yeah, Pitt's in the top twenty five now, man. I, I don't know what that means in twenty twenty, but Pitt's in the top twenty five, <laughs> right behind Navy, BYU, and uh, Appalachian State. An army, not navy. Uh, army, BYU, and Appalachian State. <laughs> but regardless, um, yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that four. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, Clemson, I agree. Ohio State, I agree. Um, I'm gonna throw. <sighs> the SEC is tough. It is because there's a lot of mis- there's a lot of mystery. Yeah, it's a lot of mystery. Um, I agree. I think it'll be Alabama. It's not fun at all, but I think it'll be Alabama. Um, and I think we get two teams out of the SEC. I think we'll get LSU as well. Mm. Yeah, despite all the losses. Yeah, I know. I know LSU lost a lot, um, and we'll see what they look like. I think the quarterback position is going to be key, obviously. Um, whether, whether or not I'm assuming we'll see Miles Brennan at quarterback and what he'll look like, but hey, he's not Joe Burrow. But you know, if he's if he's even capable, um, and losing Joe Brady is not going to be easy as well. I'm kind of talking yeah. myself out of it as we go along, but um, <laughs> I don't think you forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, oh man, what? But I don't think the Big Twelve is getting a no, no Leonard Fournette. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. No, no, Odell. no Odell Beckham. <laughs> Yeah, man, Jordan Jefferson's no longer there. <laughs> Marcus Russell. Nah, um, Nick Saban, you know, he's, he's, he's the coach anymore. <laughs> Turn it into uh, Patino um, game. Yeah, right, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Shout out to uh, Amin Elisai. Yeah, I don't know what the Big 12 is getting, getting a rep. Um, I know Oklahoma seems like the favorite, um, but I can see them getting slipped up, or tripped up, rather, with uh, a freshman at quarterback. Um, Rattler can definitely throw it, as you saw in that Missouri State game. But yeah. um, it's just, I mean, we'll see. You know, Lincoln Riley is a quarterback guru, but, you know, I feel like one of these years they're going to Yeah, he hasn't coached, and he hasn't been coaching, like, an uh, uh, inexperienced player. No, he's been, co- yeah, he's been coaching guys that have he's been, been coaching veterans in the college game for three years. Yeah, minimum. so this is different for him. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I I think Oklahoma might get tripped up, and I, I can't see any of those teams running the table, um, which I think will be necessary. Mm-hmm. Being SEC. That's the one thing, though, this year. I don't. I disagree. I don't. I think almost none of these teams are going to run the table because they're all playing each other. The The conference schedule is going to make things very interesting, I think. The, the teams are playing more games in conference than they ever have. Yeah. Uh, Big Ten's different because they're only playing eight games, but. Uh, That's why I could see, like, the SEC having two teams make it. Um, right. I, I don't know who those two teams are. I mean, I, I right now I'm going to Alabama, LSU, um, and Georgia is the other team. But losing Jamie Newman to an opt out was tough. Um, I probably would have went with Georgia. I, I don't trust JT Daniels. Um, I don't think JT Daniels is very good. Um, anybody watching at USC 
uh, before he got hurt. Guy, I know he he wasn't. It wasn't. He wasn't the yeah, guy. He, he wasn't you know? it. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't it. And they're hoping that he is based off of his high school track record. But um, even in high school, like he didn't. He was a reclass, so like we really didn't see him at the elite eleven or things like that. So you know, it, it, um, the jury's very much still out on JT Daniels uh, as a quarterback, but. He's the guy they have to wait to, to to rest their shoulder on. So I, I'm I'm trusting Coach O. I don't trust Kirby Smart as much as I coach Orgeron. Unless I trust Orgeron to coach his team up. So I'm gonna go with LSU, Alabama, Clemson, and uh Ohio State. I think the Big Ten is pretty volatile though. I will say that. Like I think Ohio State will win it because they're the most they're the most talented team, but like I think like I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan got in that mix. Um, I know people are down on Harbaugh's program, but they've got talent. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey is going to transfer, so I don't know what the deal is with, with the deal is at quarterback. But um, but Ohio State's just they're loaded. Like, I, who's your yeah. national champion? Ohio State is my national champion. Yeah, yeah, we agree on that, man. Yeah, they're just they're loaded. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Clemson really- just lost a couple players, and I I don't know. I I, I it's. It's close between those two teams, but I think Ohio State's just a little deeper. Yeah. I mean, I think Ohio State, keep it a buck, was a better team last year that just had, you know, a couple of bad plays go against them, a couple of bad mm-hmm. coaching decisions, and they lost. Um, and they lost fair and square, but, oh, I mean, the the ejection of Sean Wade, who's, I mean, he's going to be a top-ten pick this year. Yeah. His ejection on, on that targeting play was, like, nuts. Like, I mean, it was, it, it was a game they probably should have won. So, um, it was tough. Uh, do you have any uh, Heisman Trophy pick, by the way? Oh, Jesus, Heisman Trophy. Uh, oh, Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah, Lawrence. He, he looked, he looked the part week one. Yeah, I'm gonna go Najee Harris at Alabama. Okay, I think he's gonna have. I think Saban's gonna ride him because I don't know what the quarterback situation is gonna look like. Um, they probably go with Mac Jones, but they're gonna, especially if it's Mac Jones, they're gonna ride Najee Harris. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, Bryce Young, quarterback from modern day, the freshman, um, could be like a Tua situation where they realize, man, if we're going to win that championship, it's not going to be a Mac Jones. <laughs> it's going to yeah, have to be a Bryce yeah. Young. But if there's any coach that I trust to make that decision, uh, it's not Kirby Smart. It's Nick Saban. So. There you go. All right. I think <laughs> that's a that's a good place to wrap this week's show. Uh, we crammed a lot in here, but I hope you guys did enjoy it. Sorry for the uh, – Hiatus. Uh, we've been doing these draft videos, which reminds me, you guys check out our YouTube channel, Generation Media. We've been doing these uh, virtual NBA draft war room videos. That's part of the reason why we were out for a little bit. Um, that and some other issues that came about. But uh, we'll, we'll try to be back a little more consistently on the podcast. But again, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, Generation Media. Check out our draft coverage. We're doing every NBA team. We have seven down. Um, more shooting to come. One more in the can that we have to put out. So be on the lookout for that. Also, of course, check out our podcast, not just this show, Sports Talk, but also Hero Talk and Peter Broadcast on New Generation Podcast Network on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Um, Also, be sure to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.